podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Mindfield podcast from Anfield Index Pro, your sports psychology podcast where myself and Andrew Vincent break down all the elements of the mind and LFC. It's been a while, Andrew. How have you been keeping? Good. I, actually, I think the last time recorded, I said to you, I really enjoyed the end of the season as a sports psychologist because... My work gets quite easy. It's just about getting people over the line, and then we really start revisiting things in the off season. So, in the spirit of that, we haven't recorded in a long time. We let <laughs> things play out for the end of the season, let things go how they went, and here we are. Yeah, and there probably wasn't too much to be talking about, you know, because like, because I think when we last spoke, it was at the start of that transition period where Trent was starting to move into the middle more, we were starting to see an upturn in fortunes and results. But the season kind of petered out. And, you know, there's going to be plenty of podcasts out there reviewing the season and and delving into it. And we'll touch on that today. But I do want us to start to have a bit of a conversation about the this transition period that we're going to be experiencing now in the summer where we have... Some big players, you know, not just big players in terms of reputation, but big players in terms of the impact they have on the squad and, and their stature within the squad. And how those new players start to come in, as well as having a new sporting director and the impact that can all have. So it's it's a very uh, interesting time in LFC history. And I suppose there's a lot of pressure on Jürgen to significantly improve on last season's experience but let's i suppose look at the the first element which is the the loss of the likes of James Milner, Bobby Firmino, Naby Keita, Oxlade Chamberlain because we know they're definitely going but also even Quivin Keller has played a significant role in some of the Cup wins we've had and successes, and he's kind of got a bit of a, 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 a an aura around him now among Liverpool fans, um, as well as maybe some unexpected departures that we may see as well. So, in terms of the team and the collective culture, what is the impact of losing a number of high-profile, high-stature members of that, I suppose, community? of players have on the overall? Yeah, I mean, probably the most obvious answer is that it like will likely change. Um, it <laughs> Good could answer. Space for change, right? Well, yeah, you know, like I think um, 
you know, in some ways, like, yeah, it's like a silly and obvious answer, but I think in other ways, right? Like there was probably a time two or three years ago where we looked at the way we were running and we were really focused on how do we keep things as they are? Like, I know you and I had conversations about the culture and hiring people from within and like maintaining certain elements. And the idea was like, things were going really well. And so like keeping certain things in place. And I, I think actually that lack of evolution caught up with us a bit. And, um, you know, so moving people on creates opportunities for change. The, the reason I say change too, instead of like, oh yeah, like it's going to get better and people are going to step up is because you don't know actually, um, you know, when you're losing, when you're losing people, I think taking it on a case by case basis makes a lot of sense and understanding what were the different elements that this person was picking up. And then you have often the sort of the obvious evident influence that each person has. So for example, if Milner was often playing a really central role between halves of saying a few things that were important, everyone knows that everyone saw that someone else might step up and do that. Um, but then there might be the really unspoken influences too. And so, you know, by all accounts, Oxley Chamberlain is a person who like as a, as a character, as a person has a big, like relational component with people or even Bobby, like, you know, clearly is just really loved and maybe brings a certain degree of lightheartedness. And maybe those are things people know or people feel, but they're not necessarily directly spoken about. And so I think you look at some of those things and, um, you know, how are the loss of those going to affect the group? What are the ways we already know those will affect the group? What are the ways we don't even know that those will affect the group yet? You know, those become really big questions and then um you know who steps into those roles or creates new roles and what does the the new version of this group and culture look like yeah and it's it's something that i get the sense that klopp is concerned about so the talk that he you know tried to convince the board to keep or the the not the board sorry but the the those in charge of you know, decisions to keep Milner on, um, which to me personally was good. You know, I felt good that they said no, but worried that Klopp wanted him there. And I wonder, is he concerned that the characters that he has there now or going forward, they're not ready to take that leadership role on but none of us know if we're able to take the leadership role on if we're not given the space to grow into it so that's why I think it's so important that the likes of James Milner the likes of Bobby the likes of Ox are going because that gives space for people to like so in my a lot of my work we talk about containers and we all, and we all have to move containers in order to grow that's the same in the culture of of, of a sports organization um, you never know who's going to be able to step into a certain space and really have a positive impact unless you're moving people around in containers. And I think we've had certain people in certain containers for a long time and it has stagnated certain people. Like I, I just think it has, um, you know, and it's interesting you bring up Klopp wanting to keep Milner. Um, you know, I think Milner, like to me, it's not about, Milner in particular, because I think Milner has phased out in terms of his on-field 
playing, I think there's an overall reluctance we see in Klopp a lot to change things unless things get really bad. And just like that, you wonder how it plays into his philosophy. And I think we've talked before about how the automaticity and like he really tends to have an idea, stick with it, and then keep pushing that idea. Um, but yeah, that doesn't leave a lot of, it doesn't suggest a lot of trust in change and growth or possibility. It doesn't necessarily say, okay, let's see what people are capable of if we give them the space to grow into this. I think that's become especially true. Like, it's interesting, right? Because Klopp has, his strength has been walking into a group, seeing the potential in a group of players who aren't quite at the top yet, and growing that group into something exceptional and more than people thought they could be. This Liverpool team over the past two years is probably the first time he's had a group where everyone knew what they were capable of. And no one was coming along to cherry-pick all of his best players. He never had the option before of holding on to players for this long because they were gone before they really settled into their peak. And so, you know, excuse me, it makes sense there's a learning curve for him there too, but also maybe that he hasn't often seen players come down the other side of that. Um, So I think there's a world in which you keep Milner, and it's a great decision. Because maybe he is doing certain things behind the scenes. Maybe Klopp wants to transition him into the coaching staff, whatever. Like, that could work out really well. But you also have to consider that um, if you're keeping Milner, someone isn't growing into that space. There's someone occupying that container. And so, um, you know, this year there was a lot of speculation about tension within the group. The only way for that tension to resolve itself is to create space for new voices. Mm-hmm. create space for that tension. Like, it has to go somewhere. Things have to change in order for that tension to escape, and you wonder about that a little bit. With just, if you have this really consistent leadership group enforcing this really specific culture, you know, over time, you're always going to run into new challenges and new issues. Like, if that new leadership group wasn't adapting or changing, then, um, you know, you get some stuckness. And moving people on will allow... You know, let's say, who's a good example? I don't know. Let's say Mo has an idea. I don't know how, <coughs> excuse me, present he's been. And a lot of the decision-making, he's not in that leadership group or whatever. Maybe that's something that's there for him now. Um, you know, who's even like a little bit younger, maybe doesn't have. Say Darwin all of a sudden pops up as being, that seems kind of like, it would be unexpected that he pops up as being some voice of sanity or leadership. But, like, um, <laughs> you never know who's going to have an idea or who's going to have an observation. Creating space allows people to grow. And I think there is something there in terms of creating space for someone to grow when there is a traditional hierarchy younger players can get used to ceding to that hierarchy who were maybe 26, 27, 28 and at the height of their game and they were the natural leaders. And then when they start to move beyond that and they actually start to, I won't say decline, but they, they, they're they not as uh, effective at doing what they need to do as their physical decline starts, you know. Um, but yet they are still the alpha males they're still the authority within the group and the likes of 
you know, Trent, the likes of Jota, the likes of, uh, you know, even Kanate to a lesser extent, they are the ones who should be stepping up now and going, our voice is as important, if not more so, than your voices and we need to be able to manoeuvre and change because how things were done isn't working anymore. So we need to look, or, or it's not working as effectively, so either, you know, we change things, but we have to be able to have our voice um, heard. And I think, you know, if we, and it's a purely, you know, using a very tiny example to <laughs> emphasise a point that could be completely not linked at all, but if we look at the, the goal we conceded, I think it was the fourth goal, was it? Where Henderson took the ball off Trent from like a yard away and then passed the ball straight to the Southampton attacker and they didn't score the fourth goal. Like, Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, We've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. In what world does Jordan Henderson take the ball off Trent, who is who has been our best player over the last six to eight games? Um, but Trent gave him the ball as he ceded to the the alpha male. But I wonder now, Trent, looking back, going, not because of the outcome, and I know that this is like, you know, really tenuous or tedious kind of link, but as a microcosm of, I now have learned that I step up. I don't give the ball to Jordan. He gives the ball to me. I think Trent is a really good example of someone who could benefit from a clear out of a leadership group. Um, you know, if you think about just his age, when he came into the team, he's really young, was probably really looking up to a lot of these players who were playing well. He was kind of the kid. And, you know, he's getting to a stage in his career where that's just not how he can be or how he needs to be. But I think we've seen it at times this season, just emotionally, he reacts in ways that are a little bit immature sometimes. And, um, you know, it's tough you need to be in that role of being looked up to or recognizing that like, Hey, you're not surrounded by adults. You don't get to act like a kid anymore. But in some ways that means like some of the adults clear out and you look around, you realize like, Hey, I'm responsible for carrying the, like the emotion of this group. Like I'm responsible for picking myself back up. I'm responsible for keeping the effort up. You know, there's something at some points in your career, or at some points in your life, like you get to behave like a kid and that's kind of okay. And like you can have some space to learn or act a little immature or be react in certain ways. And like that brings something to a group as well. Like that's an important quality to kick around. But at some point you don't get to be that anymore. I think from a mental perspective, 
being seen as someone who's in a leadership role and having some responsibility for at a team level, um, keeping the emotion at a certain place and keeping the energy at a certain place actually would benefit his individual game really pretty significantly too. Yeah, personally, and I know this is a bit far-fetched and a lot of people might disagree, I'd actually give Trent the captaincy. I would. I think um, what he's shown is that, um, and obviously that's the captaincy looking from the outside looking in kind of thing. I don't know what he's like as a as a person and how he is within within the squad, but I I, I think we would see Trent grow ten foot tall, taller than he is now if if he was given that responsibility. And you know, very similar to when Stevie took over the captaincy from Sammy Hupia, and people were kind of going, Phew. you know, it's it's a big decision to take the captaincy off a player who's actually still in the first eleven, and give it to this young buck. I think similar could happen to Trent, but I doubt that's going to happen anyway. And but I do think it's like it's very similar to life itself. Like we have kids, Andrew. I now have teenagers, and my kids. You know, I would tell them what to do, you know, as they grew up and say, do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that. And then it comes to a day where they go, eh, no. And there is that challenge for both sets of people, for the for the kids to get the confidence to say, no, I disagree with you. And for the parents to go, okay, they're older now, their voice, you know, they, it's okay for them to to have their voice and try and marry that while still living under the roof. And then we go into the opposite end where they become the caregivers or the parents. So it's almost like that is replicated in a football club or is it replicated in our football club right now where people are getting older, they can't do the job as much. And I think it's important to the younger players when I say younger, 23, 24, 25, for Klopp Klopp and the club to say, no, it's your guys' time. We trust you. And I think this is trust is such a big thing. I don't know if Klopp has that trust of the youngsters Mm -hmm. yet. I don't think he does as much. But I think the the powers that be making the decisions maybe are kind of going, no, we've gone with the sentimentality. We've gone with the, the trust of the older guys. We now need to take the reins here and say, no, they need to go out and we need to show these younger lads that they are the ones. They are not even the future. They are the present ones who are the ones there that we're going to be relying on right now. I think it's really interesting to imagine, too. A little thought experiment. Imagine if Jurgen Klopp showed up to this team for the first time now without pre-existing relationships, not having been our manager over the last summer. What do you think he would do? And when he first shows up somewhere, right, he clears out. And then he picks some kind of younger. He picks people who he sees potential in and really trusts that potential. And so it's so interesting. Now he's been here for seven years. I think there's this really open question of does he trust a younger group of players to grow into something enough to move on from this group of players who's carried him really far. And the answer is sort of like, we're not sure and or no. 
Um, but the first thing he would do as he was showing up here for the first time was clear out some people. I don't know if he would, Andrew. I th what I think he would do, I think he would identify, he would give them the space to learn or to show are they capable of doing it. Because if we look at it, like there was a lot of players when he first joined that we would have all said, right, they need to go. Adam Lalana, uh, Simon Mignolet, you know, those, Dejan Lovren, those type of players. But he didn't jettison them out straight away. He's a very gentle way of actually transitioning people out. Um, and I actually think that's what he probably needs to do, except he's not doing the transitioning out. He probably knows Jordan Henderson isn't capable of doing what he needs him to do. Maybe Joel Matip isn't capable anymore of doing what he needs him to do. Bobby Firmino isn't capable. But... I don't know if he has that ability to go, okay, look. And it's one of the things we've said he's fantastic at. It's what made him successful was that personability. But it, it's almost like he, he can't break up with his girlfriend, you know? It's like, it's, I, I still really love you. I still love you, Bobby. I love you, James. But I need to move this group forward and I appreciate everything you've done. I don't think he can have that conversation. Yeah, I think it's a tough one for him. Um, you know, I think I, the players I'm thinking of too are like Skirtle, Sako. Like there were some people early on who were given a rough ride out the door. And like those are the two that popped to my mind. But like that did happen, right? And like, you yeah. know, I know at Dortmund early on there's some stories about some people finding their way elsewhere somewhat abruptly so i think that you know that is true like there's some people who definitely kicked around longer than a lot of us were hoping to see um but regardless like the trust he puts in young people to grow into roles that was there early on where is that now and is that something that's going to suddenly happen now that he sort of identified this as a reset which i at this time last year he had not identified Mm. This is it. I I wonder as well how much of the trust in young people he had back then was actual trust or was it uh, a natural consequence? Would we have seen Trent get so much game time without Nathaniel Klein Fine. being injured? No, actually, we wouldn't. Have. You know, let, let's look at how much trust he's put in Curtis Jones. Not all that much until he was forced into it. Um, who else has come through? No, nobody. Like the only people that that were young that have been played were the people who were brought in. Joe Gomez, maybe, uh, but they were they were brought in. You know, um, like Jada was brought in young. Um, Diaz is relatively young. Canada uh, has been young enough. The other people brought in were all 24, 25, 26 when they were brought in. So Yeah, and that's maybe who I'm thinking of too, is like the Mane and Salah and even Bobby to some extent of players who were given a huge amount of trust at 23, 24, and 25. Like brought mm -hmm. in as projects. 
to yeah. some extent. And like a trust that like we can take this project and be successful with it, which is actually, I think Darwin's a really good example of that now is like as expensive as he was, um, you know, he's not coming in as the finished article. There's a lot of people who have question marks over him. The same way there would have been a lot of people who had question marks over Mo Salah, where there's maybe some underlying things or numbers, where there's stuff that people are seeing that's like, hey, this guy's impressive. But a lot of people who are like, <clears throat> I don't know, he's fast and one-footed and misses a lot of chances, and that was kind of his MO like when he showed up, right? It's like a lot of people were like, is this guy really capable of what he turned out to be capable of. And most people would have said no. Um, yeah. Mane too, to some extent, right? It was like flashes of brilliance, three or four red cards a year and um, whatever. And, you know, obviously he went on to become what he became also. So with that in mind, like it's, it seems like whether it is a conscious choice and decision by Klopp or whether people above him have made the decision or whether it's a collective decision this is going to be a a big summer of change within the squad which inevitably will bring a change in the culture and I'm wondering what you would do with somebody who was coming into that this summer you know a, a club who have severely underperformed in the previous season you have big name players you have big strong personalities you also have people there who have come in for big money with big expectations and may not be delivering like how does somebody manage that coming in do they see that as an opportunity do they see that as kind of going oh you know the shit could hit the fan here like who who is the person that I look up to who's the person that I connect with like what way do you think it needs to go in order to bring those new players in and embed them in the culture as quickly as possible I think you want to find a balance between embedding them in the culture and not putting themselves too low in the hierarchy because you also want to come in and be challenging. That's really important. And, um, you know, I think there's a natural, for most people, I think there's a, a natural inclination towards when you're joining a new group, sitting back a little bit, noticing what's going on and having a bit of a period of adaptation where it's like, okay, I've got to figure out how to adjust to this group, which is really healthy. I think it's a really polite and good way to go about things. I think it's relationally really important to sit back a little bit, but I think it's important in that process of adjusting to a group to not talk yourself out of being aggressive and challenging people in a soccer sense. And so I think, like, sometimes <clears throat> that's something that I see is that a player coming into a group is going to be really hesitant to go too hard in practice. Or they're going to be hesitant to step up and be like, hey, I'm just going to outplay this person who's in front of me. And so, like, someone who we're linked with, like... Um, maybe McAllister or Kone or, I don't know, Thurim, right? Like, they come in, and the spot that they want is Jordan Henderson's. 
it's really important to show up and both on the one hand be respectful of Jordan Henderson, but not so respectful that you're not willing to bury him in practice. And um, that can be a really difficult balance for people to strike. It's a good example of like where people are people. And when there's an existing hierarchy, like to fit into that hierarchy, you have to be somewhat respectful of it. But if you're too respectful of it, you're going to talk yourself out of playing time and reduce your performance levels. And so finding ways to, one, you have to hope that you're walking into a culture that is accepting of you knocking over the people on top. That's something I notice a lot, actually, in because um, I work with like university-level sports, and, you know, athletes are on mostly a four-year cycle. Is like, you know, you get your four years while you're there of eligibility, and then when you know, you're a senior, you graduate. So naturally, there's always a group leaving and a new group coming in every year. And it's really interesting to see how the older players within a group um, adapt to the brand new players and the younger players within a group. And some of the success of the team always hinges upon how possible do those players who are older make it for younger players to be at their best and challenge them and even outperform them. Or do they get sort of punished for being good? And that's absolutely something that can happen in insecure groups is that you have leaders or people who are high up in the hierarchy and have a lot of power who then punish new people for being good because they don't want to lose their spot because they can't tolerate that challenge because they can't, um, they think it's in some ways disrespectful or not okay, which it isn't. Like if you're looking for a high performance group, you have to create space for younger people to outperform established people. And it's easier said than done. It really is. Yeah. And it, especially at the level that Liverpool are operating at because they're, there is so little margin for error. Um, whether it is actual margin for error in terms of where they finish up or if it is perceived margin for error in terms of the fans accepting, okay, we didn't win today because we had, you know, two kids getting game time. Is that going to be acceptable? I don't think it is. And there is the, the pressure for either players to really succeed straight away or if they do come in and do well that's it they're a wonder kid get them in the whole time and we look at what happened with Vajetic during the season he came in performed relatively well like but I I wasn't looking at him going oh my god Fabinho off you go to the sticks because this lad is just immense he was decent in a really, really shit team <laughs> who were not doing well. And that's not trying to take away from him, but I, what I'm talking about is the, the weight of expectation that's created and placed on the shoulders of somebody who hasn't even asked for it. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable 
before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. And he ends up getting injured. And now all of a sudden people are calling for a brand new DM to come in because he's damaged goods, Fabinho's finished, and that's just the way it is. And maybe maybe the club feel that way too, I don't know. But it's... that When we talk about this level of the game, it's important to be cognizant of the elevated levels of pressure that none of us can really relate to, or very few of us can really, really relate to and understand. Actually, did I see something? Was Rhys James talking recently about, you know, the pressures of of top-level football and how, you know, he was kind of saying... I didn't see the article. I just saw a headline that he was kind of saying, look, everyone thinks this is a wonderful, wonderful life, but it's not as wonderful as you think it is. And I... I couldn't imagine living under that scrutiny and every little mistake you make, you as a human being are not good enough. So it's the, the pressure, I can't imagine, is just immense. And then coming into a new team, and if you come into, let's take Darwin, you know, going to cost 90-odd million quid. You, If we do get Alexis McAllister for the reported 70 million quid, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders. So it... The club are going to have to help them manage that as well. Mm-hmm. And the older players are going to have to actually be the ones who are leaders. And maybe that's why James Milner was, you know, that's why Klopp wanted him around. But for me, that's what our captain should be doing. And I don't know whether he is or not. He could be phenomenal in that respect. You know? But I just wonder if... There's the level of maturity within the older players in the squad to be able to say, do you know what, I think I'm good enough to still be playing in this position, but part of my role now is to help these younger lads take over from me. I think the other thing that I question too is do we have the younger players breaking through who are... determined and self-assured enough to say, forget it, I'm taking this spot, whether it's given to me or not. And I think if you look at Mane and you look at Mo, and obviously they were both brought in at times where there wasn't really anyone ahead of them. Like, they were expected to step right into starting spots. But you think about both of those personalities, neither of them would have accepted, even at 22 or 23, anything less than, I'm going to be the best one on this team. And I look around at the group of players who we have as sort of this second tier who's breaking through. And like, I wonder a little bit who, who has the term, determination and combativeness to upset the hierarchy and say, no, I'm making this different because I'm here and that's what I'm going to do. You do need characters like that. Like you just do. Like you need someone who's brand new and is still going to say to Henderson, like, no, that was wrong, and yell back at him. 
And that, like, that's, you know, like, in balance, right? You hope they make up behind the scenes and, like, that that's okay, but, like, you still need challenge. And I, I think that's been part of the issue is, like, you look at the status quo over the last three years, who's come in to challenge that status quo? And has there been challenges introduced? And the answer is no, partly because it was working really well. Like, we almost won the quadruple. We were really close. You know, and not just like, hey, we were really close. Like, oh, close is good enough. But, like, you know, a couple bounces go differently. That could have been the season of all seasons. Like, incredible. Um, mm. Not introducing challenge, there's wisdom to that, right? Like, you don't do that well and then be like, cool, let's introduce a whole bunch of challenges and just turn this on its head. No, like you, and some was having this year where now it really didn't work. Like <coughs> it makes sense. Introduce the challenges now, but you have to hope that those challenges are going to be introduced in a real way, which brings us to, I'm not going to pronounce it right, but Schmodki is that, is that what we got going on? I, 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 yeah, I'm not going to pronounce it. Correct. I don't know. Yeah, Shemarka, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Our new sporting yeah. director. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, the kind of personality that I actually think was required. Okay, I haven't read too much about him, so I I, I can't make any comments. So what what makes you say that? Um, what I have heard and what I have read is that. He has a tendency to be very honest, outspoken, upfront, combative to the point where he's been chased out of a few places and not super welcome back to the point where he threw a pack of gum at Julian Nagelsmann or maybe threw gum at Julian Nagelsmann and then gave him a pack of gum the next time to like make up for it and kind of make amends. But like, I think in some ways, like, Everything I've read is that if this person is sitting in a meeting with Klopp and Klopp is saying something that sounds ridiculous, Schmanke is going to be like, you're out of your mind. Like, I don't care if I'm brand new. Like, what you're saying is wrong yeah. or I disagree or that's ridiculous and I will yell at you if that's what needs to happen for us to get our points across. And so I don't know if he chews gum still, if he's show your age, got man. some... I don't know. Maybe your gum gum brands are different over there. Wrigley's, I think, is a brand of gum over here. I, was like, I, I don't buy a lot of gum, actually, but I was going to be throwing some Wrigley's over at... Uh, I don't even think Wrigley's actually makes gum over here anymore. Double Mint? That, that might not be a gum brand anymore either. But anyways, we got Jurgen's Jürgen's got to keep his head on the swivel. I didn't realize, I guess, yeah, I probably am showing my age, but... Um, I didn't realize gum brands evolved as much as maybe they have. So, anyway. Um, so Someone's going to be throwing gum at Jurgen Klopp if they don't necessarily like the direction he's heading. It's a shakeup. And it is someone... Like, it's interesting in some ways. So I was thinking, what's the job that this guy's actually been given? <clears throat> Targets are identified. Budget is probably identified. More or less, you're just bringing him in to be like, what are the deals? Mm. Like, do the deals. You know, negotiate these. All the, the legwork is probably more or less done. It should be. Point, right? Otherwise, um, we're in serious trouble. But also, yeah. Also, yeah, for real. 
you're definitely inviting in a personality who is going to be challenging. And I haven't seen a ton of that. Well, isn't that part of the the narrative or the concern around our last two sporting directors is that, you know, they they couldn't say no to Klopp. That he had so much, he was he had been given so much power and so much say that what they, the job that they were paid to do, they were restricted or unable to do it to the levels that they wanted to. So they've left and we now have someone who's come in and th- there could there could well be a a battle for supremacy but am i right in thinking he's only on a 3 month contract and to review it after that yeah he is which doesn't necessarily like give him a lot of power but also doesn't give him a lot to yeah. lose to be honest and i don't I don't know what the benefit of that is. It's almost like we're giving you the job, but we're still not quite sure. Like There's probationary periods in most jobs, but if you go looking for somebody, generally you don't give them a probationary period because you've done the research, you've done the hard work, you, br- you bring them in, in any business, um, you're giving them the job and there isn't a probationary period. So, not unless he's insisted. Talk hmm? in the transfer chat. Talk to people in the transfer chat, which I read regularly on Discord, is that um, there's already a sporting direct, a long-term sporting director identified for after these three months that they're waiting Okay. For. That's the suspicion, is that they wanted someone to come in for this summer, but that after that there's someone already lined up for a longer term role. So even though they're saying this is probationary for three months and we can reassess, it sounds like there's no real intention of Hmm. reassessing. The assessment has completed and someone else has been deemed. I know there there was a lot of talk of was it Paul Mitchell I think from I think it's Paul Mitchell from uh, he was at Monaco um, but I think he's going elsewhere. So, yeah. Look, I suppose we're all speculating. We don't, <laughs> we don't know. Um, but it's yeah. going to be an interesting ride to see and how that actually impacts on the the building out of the, I suppose, new culture in some ways. Because you know, whenever kids fly the nest, you gotta reset the the boundaries for those that are left so you know we've got some old kids flying the nest and Klopp's got to reset but it's a perfect opportunity to do it and it's going to be fascinating to see how it works out I don't need a VPN I've got nothing to hide (laughs) this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with libertyshield.com not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package 
which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, one of my concerns is that as much as there's at least four players and maybe some more who might go who are definitely big parts of the old guard, they are not far enough up the hierarchy to really create mm-hmm. space for new voices. And so, like, yes, Milner seemingly had a very strong voice. Nabby, Ox, and Bobby, like, especially Ox and Bobby, were influential people by all accounts and very well-liked. But were they the ones everyone was listening to? Were they setting the standards and enforcing mm-hmm. those standards? Probably not. And so the question is, have you really had enough turnover in the people who are doing the talking to create a lot of change, and I worry about that a little bit because um, Henderson is still there, Virgil is still there and going to be a big part of things, and I think actually those are two people who um, I know a lot of people are really high on Virgil's leadership capabilities. I don't know, and maybe it's not fair of me to question because I don't see what's going on behind the scenes. Um, he is not the person who I would pick. As who the would you pick? Of a group. For this group right now, Mo. Okay. Especially right now. Because he is the most competitive person mm-hmm. in that locker room. And definitely showed it with his message after. And that's what you want to see. Yeah. And that's that's the reality. Yeah. Again, and there's room for different approaches to it, but like someone should come out and say, this just wasn't good enough. And like he did. And that's not to say other people didn't think that, but like, I, I think I see that from him and I don't, I think what I see there is like Mm -hmm. stuff needs to change. And I think that message comes with some idea of what needs to change. I think he's incredibly hard on himself, too, which isn't always a great characteristic for a leader. Because <clears throat> you don't necessarily want someone who's just really hard on himself and really hard on the group. But I think it's a perspective that feels like it. that message felt different. We've seen Henderson say and Trent say and Milner say and different people say when, like, you know, Things weren't good enough, but usually it comes with sort of this uh, like same message of like, you know, we'll get out to the training pitch and we'll keep working hard and whatever. And this felt like the most concrete, like huge disappointment. Stuff needs to change that we're not necessarily hearing in other places. I think that voice needs to be elevated significantly right now. Um, yeah. That's my, and that's, that's where my we'll wrap it up. We might even see if we can get a poll out from the AI Pro Twitter account 
next captain, Mo or Trent, and see who the listeners actually go along with. We'll uh, throw that into the mix and see if the, the guys yeah. are up for it. Andrew, thank you so much for your expertise and your comment. This has been... Uh, I, I missed it, but I didn't realise how much I missed it. It's like when you meet up with your mates for a few pints and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I missed hanging out with you guys. And then you don't see them for six months because of life getting in the way. So uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. No, it's been good. Not drinking Someday, pints, unfortunately. But, um, someday the time difference we'll be sitting down drinking pints together. All right. And if you listeners want to join the Discord and give us your feedback, that would be fantastic. We'd love to hear what you think. Any suggestions for summer podcasts? Um, I know we put call it last summer, so I still have some stuff hanging over from there that we can maybe dip into. But uh, yeah, we'd love to get your suggestions for potential podcasts. And we're open for people to become guests and join the conversation with us. So if you'd like to be a guest on the Minefield podcast during the summer, give us a shout and let us know in the Discord channel. Until next time, look after yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.